0: soon in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. It's another
1: episode, guys and gals. How are you? You know, just so we're clear on this, when I say it's another episode, you do know it's the inside, inside sales show you're listening to right now. I just want to make sure that the first clue was the rocking music and then the, you know, the inner, the voiceover for the announcer saying it's the inside, inside sales show. You ever do that? You ever, you ever like watch a show or listen to something and you stop and you go, what is it I'm listening to again? I don't have any recollection or is it just me and I'm a, I'm a moron. It's very possible. I'm sitting here as I record this and, and I'm here in wonderful Canada and we're getting dumped on. 25 centimeters of snow as we speak now. 25 centimeters for those who are of the imperial units. That's roughly 12 inches, one foot, give or take. It's well, I guess it's not. it's probably more like was that nine? Maybe more nine nine inches. So there we go. My math is bad, but uh, you get the idea. It's, It's a lot. School buses are canceled. It's crazy and and today i have four productions i'm recording it's a production heavy day it's a busy day we all have busy days but i needed to be in the studio because i wanted to come and talk to you guys i had a conversation with one of my staffers the other day and we were just talking about skills that you develop this particular staffer is almost 24 years old i won't name names and they're hungry they want to have a really kick-ass career at times in their task they find themselves a little bored. Or they don't work directly for me. They work for somebody else in their organization. I say that because it don't make sense when I talk about their, their, their laments, which is sometimes they're bored. Sometimes they don't feel like they're being utilized to their full potential. They're seeking advice. And I was sharing with them about how, in the end, you can't look to your boss to be the individual who's going to take control of your career. Yes, they can influence your career. Yes, they can help you with your career. But you... You are the one who has to own the career. And if you want to achieve a certain goal in life, then you need to hustle. You need to actually go for it. And there's lots of ways you can do this. You can do this respectfully. You can get people to work with you, your boss or other stakeholders in your company whom you respect, who are talented. And it's all about the message. I was sharing with them about some of my personal stories when I was younger and some of the mistakes I made under the premise of don't make these mistakes. Don't Make these mistakes because they were saying, Well, you know, I've gone to my boss and I've said, Hey, I can do this initiative, this would be really cool, this would help the team. And they said, Yeah, that's interesting. And she's like, Well, where do I go from here? And because she didn't say anything about my boss, didn't say do it or don't do it. And I said, Just do it, just do it, and show it to them. I said, What's the worst? I said, If you've got time, just do it, take the initiative. I said, your boss may not understand truly what you're saying. They may be trying to humor you. They may be distracted with other things going on. You don't know what's going on in their life. It's not personal. It's not always about you. Just do it. Take the initiative. Show them. And then maybe when they see it, they go, wow, I get it. A, you took the initiative. B, it worked. Boom, mind blown. I love you. What else can I give you? That's how it works. I said, look at me. I'll use me as an example. I said, I made so many mistakes over my life that were just absolutely dumb. So one of the one things I used to always have, take charge. I want to get this done. I would go. I would perhaps be a bull in a china shop. And maybe I would sometimes offend people in my aggressive, uh, you know, get it done attitude. To me, I thought I was just making shit happen. Excuse the language. I was just getting it done. Everybody else is slacking. And my boss would say to me at the time, Daryl, you know, you can't do that. And I would say, I'm not doing it. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. God bless my boss because he was very patient with me. And we would finally come to this conclusion where I would say, fine. Uh, You think I'm being this kind of individual. I disagree with you. Next time it happens, call me out on it. Two weeks goes by and all of a sudden we're in the middle of something and my boss in the middle, you know, everybody else in the room has no context, turns to me and he goes, There, right now. You're doing it right now. And all of a sudden I went, Oh my goodness. I get it. I get how this skill is not a skill and it's working against me. I get it. I need to change. I need to adapt. And by the way, that happened over and over again in my career. It still happens. It never happens no matter how old you get. You, you get better. You handle it better. You get more receptive to being humble, shall we say, and growing from it. But there are skills that we're holding on to, guys and gals. You're holding on to them because you think they're working for you. And I would contend they're not. And you know what we've never talked about in this show? We've never talked about skills that are working against you. I thought, wow, we're always talking about stuff you should do. Let's talk about stuff you shouldn't do. Now, I was inspired to do this because I saw this blog just a couple weeks ago posted by Colleen Francis. Do you guys know Colleen? Colleen is going to be on the main stage at Outbound. All the good ones are. And she is a legend. Now, here's the funny part. Colleen hails from where I live. I'm in Ottawa. She's in Ottawa. But you know what the difference is? she's smarter than i am because remember i mentioned that 25 centimeters of snow we're getting right now she's hanging out down south in florida at her little florida getaway winter home while i suffer here colleen welcome to the show
2: hey great to be here thanks so much for having me and yes i have escaped snow but it is raining down here today so
1: yeah Colleen tried to tell me this in, in the green room when before we went live. That oh, Daryl, but it's 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 raining down here and it's very not pleasant. And I'm like, uh huh. Twenty five centimeters snow. There we go. All right. So Colleen is president and founder of Engage Selling Solutions. Guys, if you're at a desktop, go to selling dot com right now. She has some great content there. If you don't know her, other than this is the first time meeting her, there's a reason she's at Outbound. She's an award-winning writer and consultant. She's a best-selling author. She's a member of the Speaking Hall of Fame. She's recognized as one of the most foremost thought leaders on the future of selling by leading publications worldwide, including being named, of course, course, a LinkedIn top voice for sales. So she kind of knows what she's talking about. That's the setup. Now, full disclosure, Colleen, when I read this, Because it's a blog, folks, I I actually know what she's probably going to cover today in advance. So when I read this, I'm like, okay, so you got five talking points here. Item number two, I've had multiple people on my show saying this is a real skill, but you're going to go forth here shortly and tell us that it's not a real skill. I did a recent podcast on item number three saying we should do that. You're going to say we probably shouldn't do that. Uh, Number five, I had a recent guest on the show saying we should use this skill. You're going to say we shouldn't use this skill. Guys and yep. gals, do you see why I'm really excited about this one? This one, she's gonna be Miss Contrarian today and I'm loving it. So let me set the stage. What was the catalyst for writing a post around five unprofitable skills that are still floating around?
2: Ah, I'm so glad you asked me that. I was working with a client of mine and now they've been a long time client. They're in the leasing, the finance world, and they have a really strong inside sales team. They always have. They were using video for their sales process far before really video existed. And they're excellent at what they do. And when I first started working with them maybe 10 or so years ago, we noticed that they were doing things in a very traditional way and they were getting great results. You know, they were making 30 calls, let's say, and getting one sale and their sales were big and they were talking to top executives. So fast forward a number of years, haven't worked with them in uh, five or six years. I come back in and do some work And the guys are burnt out, they're just tired. And they're like, oh man, I'm working like longer hours than ever before, still hitting top performance. But I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And what we realize is they have continued to work on the skills that they did 10 years ago, but their ratios have gone from 30 to one, I kid you not on this, to 268 to (laughs) one. And they were paying attention to the metrics. And so they were getting burned out because it was taking them four times, maybe even five times in some cases, the amount of work to get the same number of deals done. They were working at eight o'clock at night and nine o'clock at night, just trying to get this done. But because they were still having success, they weren't paying attention to the skills and the decreasing profitability of each of those skills. That was the catalyst. And then we started poking around to see what other top performing organizations were doing and not doing anymore and hence my list.
1: Okay. so. If you're listening to this right now and you can relate to the story Colleen just said where it used to take me X amount of effort, now it's it's a factor of X. Two, three, four, five times as hard. You specifically should pay attention because what she's about to say may rock your world despite conventional wisdom. Now, if it's okay with you, I want to go a little bit out of order here. I'm going to go with your second bullet first because this is i think is often the most somewhat controversial one and we've had many many people on here saying this is a skill you need to practice and there's many social media influencers who make their whole living around advocating this so the first thing we're talking about today is that she says one of those unprofitable skills is the belief it's the application is the premise that <gasps> cold calling works Okay, so there's a good chance that you may be tied to a stake and burned for hearsay, uh, <laughs> Colleen.
2: Calling... Yes. I'm willing to take that chance.
1: <laughs> Your opening line in this blog, on, as relates to this, is "This is flat out wrong," and I just love this the how brazen you are. So tell me, why does cold calling, in fact, clearly not work?
2: okay so let's set the premise here for one second i'm saying that the cold doesn't work the calling still works and people get their knickers in a knot all the time when i bring this up because they think i'm saying the telephone doesn't work that's not true at all but the telephone in isolation when calling strangers who don't know you or your company does not work i'll give you i mean the stats right we used to have clients who would see anywhere from 2 to 10 percent success rate on cold calling. Those ratios are now one third of 1%. Sure. Okay. You could bet your success on one third of 1% in terms of making a cold call to a sale and I work in the B2B space, right? So my clients are generally large fortune global 2000 companies or manufacturing companies or technology companies, fast growing technology companies, it doesn't work. What works is finding ways to warm up that call. So it could be marketing programs. It still works to make a call if your marketing team has done outreach and you're calling inbound leads, uh, people who have you know raised their hand on your website or downloaded forms. What works is still building relationships through social media or through networking or through trade shows or through existing customers. What works is still some combination of email, online, networking, and making that call. But what doesn't work anymore is this cold calling approach that I used to use when I sold life insurance where you, you know, open the phone book and just start calling people who don't know you. Uh, executives will not pick up the phone anymore.
1: I love that nuance, right? So she's not saying cold calling doesn't work. That was good. That was good. She says cold doesn't work, but calling does. <laughs> yeah. And I would yeah. agree with that. And, and we've actually yeah. talked about that on all of our shows. We've actually said this in any healthy organization, there should be no such thing as cold calling anymore. They should all minimally be warm calling or you're wasting exactly. your time.
2: Exactly. You know, yeah. I have a lot of clients who work in really traditional industries and their cold calling is still physical cold calling, like go to an yep. industrial park or walk in the back of a lot. They grew up in the root sales person yes. kind of environment. They can't do that anymore because of security. It's not even just like a receptionist or a phone where you pick it up and they're saying no solicitation. There's security there in the US and they physically can't get on the property. So here we have a bunch of senior sales reps who are field sales reps. They're sort of at a loss. Like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I I do? I open the door and now I can't get physically in the building. But the same is happening on um, the telephone.
1: One of the things you did talk about, though, you said warm it up a little bit, right? And you use all these yeah. different channels, whether it's networking or But one of the things you said was social. I'm going to take a detour here yeah. because I know the founders of Outbound, especially people like uh, Mark Hunter and, and originally Mike Weinberg, are, are not the biggest advocates of social. You know hence the whole nope. premise of outbound. Since we're stirring the pot today, let's just keep on going. That's what we Canadians are known for. Um,
2: <laughs> you mentioned
1: social. is Is that an effective channel? Is as a precursor to warm it up before you make that call?
2: Yeah, I love disagreeing with these guys. We have a lot of fun. Um, yes, it is absolutely a precursor. seventy five percent and it's growing of all business people, executives, decision makers, decision influencers are on LinkedIn. It's not about using LinkedIn to make a cold call um, or Facebook, if you're on the business to consumer side or Twitter, it's about using it to gather information on who to call. It's about figuring out what those clients or customers or companies are interested. It's about using the tool to figure out who all the higher level, lower level, um, top bottom people are so that you can start to build out your community of buying influences inside that account. It's also a way to showcase your value. So, what doesn't work on LinkedIn is connecting with someone and then immediately bombarding them with a, hey, can I sell to you approach, an advertisement. What does work is using your platform and your community to deliver value. So, people who are posting case studies, news stories, the way they're impacting their value, educational pieces, videos, again, on the how to, it warms up the environment. So even if you never connect with someone directly on LinkedIn to say, you know, can I call you, people are starting to get familiar with your work and the value you deliver. So when you do pick up the phone to call them, they're like, Oh, hey, I see you on LinkedIn. That's the kind of warm relationship that you want.
1: From firsthand experience, I totally attest that that works like you wouldn't believe. Now, one of the things that Colleen yeah. mentioned in that was she talked about using you know LinkedIn or social tools to go and almost effectively map the organization, who's high, who's medium, who's low, yeah. what, are the, what are the roles, all this stuff. But she has an opinion on one of the skills that you should get rid of as it relates to whom you target in the organization. And we're going to talk about yeah. it in about 30 seconds time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs>
3: CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, Vanilla Soft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try Vanilla Soft for free at
1: VanillaSoft.com. All right, so you talk on your blog, you say one of the five unprofitable skills was the legacy approach, if you will, the historical approach. We're all taught from the time where we sales professionals, which is you call high, you call the CEO or C-level, maybe a V-level, That they own the budget. That's where you go. If they delegate down, life is good, away you go, but you start there. And you say yes. that is an unprofitable skill.
2: Absolutely. It is because what happens is we get sellers who get stuck trying to call into that top person and they inadvertently create a gatekeeper for themselves. The key in this marketplace is to create, I call it a buyer community. Um, it's different than a committee in the old sense where there's these formal roles. There's an entire community of people that your buyers are relying on for information and we have to influence that buyer from the bottom, from the sides, from the top, all over. And if you only call high and you get stuck just calling this single person, you create a gatekeeper for yourself because you're not gonna be able to get through. I learned this the hard way years ago. I inadvertently, trying to call on a, an executive of actually a general in the US Army, couldn't get through to him. And so we just started working below the ranks, right? We started working with all of his subordinates and we started to create this community of practice, this influence community, I guess, if you want to call it that, which eventually led us to have a meeting because he couldn't not listen to what was going on around him. And you can replicate that in the corporate environment, right? I think Gartner's latest study showed that there's 11 people involved in the decision. That's huge, right? And they have direct, indirect influence. So you're selling yourself short if you only call on one person.
1: Well, we did a podcast the other day. you we are talking about uh, referrals as it relates to this, because I know you have an opinion on referrals as it relates yeah. to this. They use the stat of you know every sale has minimum a minimum of six, and it could be as high as 11, 9, or eleven yeah. now. By the way, it's a lot. Their point was the tendency to really establish a bond with one person in that sale, and maybe we'll ask that one person. Yeah. Their point was, but if there's six people or nine or 11 involved in the sale. You should be working all of those people because all of them Absolutely. have the ability to bring you more company. But you're right. Why would you just sell high? And even I know when we do our own marketing here to warm up the sales funnel, we actually target high and low because we don't know if it's going to be championed up or mandated down. So we want to make sure we've got a full 360.
2: And I find too that the the impetus to make a sale or, or buy a product inside organizations is coming from a variety of sources. Aligned with this is my belief that there is really no avatar for an ideal buyer anymore. We're seeing, for example, customers who would normally traditionally sell to like a VP of engineering or a VP of maintenance or a warehouse manager getting their in from customer service or sales because the sales and customer service teams are being overrun with complaints due to a problem in the warehouse. We're seeing that ideal buyer doesn't really exist anymore. And the best thing salespeople can do is to take, I think what's kind of being called a bit of an account-based approach where they're really um, calling on multiple people and trying to influence multiple people in this community who are ultimately going to have influence or the decision power to buy from you.
1: All right. One of the other top five skills you said are unprofitable was to ask everyone for referrals on face value, why wouldn't I ask everyone for referrals? So why is asking you- everyone for referrals a bad, bad, unprofitable skill? I'm sorry, so because the emphasis, I'm kind of you know giving it away, go ahead.
2: Here's the thing, you only want to ask people for referrals who are people that you want more of. They ask everyone for referrals, including their terrible, cheap, nasty, mean, high-maintenance customers. And who do you think those people know? They know more nasty, cheap, high maintenance, pain in the butt customers. You only want to ask for referrals from people who you want more of in your pipeline. So I know that sounds funny, but- No, no. Know.
1: Let me explain the marketing corollary, okay? We ask customers on a very regular basis, yeah. our customers, classic NPS on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to you know, recommend VanillaSoft? Guess what? Yeah. Those who give us a 9 or a 10, I ask them to go to Google or G2 to give me a review. Those who give me a 4 or a 3, I don't ask them. It's the same exact thing. Yeah, The classic ABC, always be closing. Classic skill. Yeah. But you say, nay, nay. You, that is a skill you need to ditch. I'm confused. Yeah. Talk to me.
2: Well, there's a time and a place for closing and I find that salespeople who try to close too early are seen as overly aggressive. Now, closing isn't just asking for the sale. For example, salespeople who, going back to what we said earlier on LinkedIn, try to sell you and close you first time you make a connection with them. I was approached by a company that sells data, for example, and we got on the first call and they demoed the product to me, but the first call was all about, this is our product, this is what we need. There was real focus on clearly trying to hit this one call close and it's off-putting. Not everybody in your buying community can buy. When you're talking to people, we have to quickly discern as a salesperson, whether or not this person can buy or shouldn't. Should we be using this call as a research call? Should we be using this call as an education or a teaching moment? Should we be delivering the customer some new idea or value or insight that they could then take across the organization or up or down the organization? But trying to close on the first sale, especially in today's environment where people are really (laughs) immune and turned off by that will cause you to lose that business and it will reduce your overall uh, closing ratio. So any
1: meeting, folks, we've talked about this before in past episodes, you should always be either looking for an advance or a continuation, not necessarily yeah. close. Exactly going to her point, right? So advance Absolutely. to the next step yeah. or continue the conversation, but not close. You said it, off-putting. The oh. minute I feel off-putting, I feel like a transaction to you and I want a partnership. I don't want to be yeah. your transaction. I want you and I to have a partnership. You need to share in this Absolutely. risk with me. So that's my opinion. Last yeah. one.
2: So just just one quick thing for your your uh, tactical thing for your sales people to, to think about. 75% of the time you you spend in an opportunity should be spent on the front end of the opportunity before you get to that presentation where you're going to close. 75%. So you have a 100-day sales cycle. 75 days of it should be spent in that front end. When you do that, you dramatically improve your chances of close. If you reverse that, you likely will not close the business.
1: I'll add on that, remind people who missed the James Muir episode, we talked about when you go into a meeting or go to an encounter, right? Which is really the the front end, if you will, what, what Colleen's getting at. Before you even talk to them, you should have three answers to three questions. Why should they see me? What do I want the client to do and how can I add value on that encounter? And if you do that right, awesome. then you'll you'll get the advance or the continuation. Her advice is brilliant. We're tight on time. I've saved the most controversial one to the end because many people here want to be sales rock stars. They have a career path in mind. Not unlike how I began my conversation with my employee. And you say one of the top five unprofitable skills. You say the career path for great sellers is sales leadership. You will go from a seller to be a sales leader and you say, nay nay, talk to me.
2: Yeah, selling and sales leadership are two completely different skills and people who are great salespeople often are not great leaders and that's okay. As a seller and as an organization, you need to be empathetic to the fact or conscious of the fact that a great seller should maybe stay a great seller and just sell more. Maybe the career path for that great seller is to figure out how to earn more in their current job and not manage other people. And I think salespeople have to be comfortable with that. We tend to, because we're competitive, think that moving up through the ranks is the most important thing. And I've seen a lot of top performing salespeople fail at leaders because they hate the job. They just think it's something they're supposed to do. And good organizations, when they promote somebody into that sales leadership role, will always give them an off-ramp that they can be comfortable with. Hey. If it doesn't work out, if you hate it, or if you're a terrible leader, then why don't we put you back in sales and make that work? If you don't, then you're going to lose that great salesperson, um, and you will have had to suffer through a period of terrible, terrible leadership.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, have you had fun? Has it gone by really super freaking fast? Forget everybody else. We've had fun. This is Colleen Francis. If you liked her here, there's more of her. You can see her on YouTube, ColleenFrancis.tv. You can go to her website, engagetelling.com, or you can just go see her live at OutboundConference.com. Go see her live. Tip, you yes. know, if you register now, use code VS100, as in Vanilla Sock it'll, it'll save you some money. Colleen, one thing people should be prepared for when they go to Outbound if they've never gone there before.
2: I would be prepared with multiple pens and multiple pads of paper because it is a non-stop action-packed tip after tip after tip after tip uh, three days.
1: Well, it's, it's a theme we're seeing, folks. It is a good show. Check it out. Vanilla Stop is the title sponsor. In the meantime, we are out of time. That, my friends, concludes another week. But don't worry. We'll be back. My name's Daryl, and this is Inside. Inside Sales. You take care.
0: You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside Inside Sales, hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio channel, sponsored by VanillaSoft.